Welcome to another episode of The Foul Life with Chad Belding. This is like a river runs through with Brad Pitt meets The Foul Life. <laughs> Chad Belding is joined by Tommy Miller, the intrepid Blake Famey, and Barkley Fisher of Quickload Waterfowl Outfitters, and the boys are covered in incoming flocks. Black Cloud 4s really wrap those ballards up like bacon. Quickload Waterfowl Outfitters has the boys flush with birds, and this sets the stage for what's to come. Isn't that a really neat deal that you could come up here as early as September 1st and still have confidence that you're going to be able to hunt mallards in Thanksgiving weekend in November in Arkansas? Yeah, and then we're blessed with all the potholes because the ducks love all the potholes. The Foul Life exclusive with Quick Load Waterfowl Outfitters is made possible by Benelli, American Almond Beef, Traeger, and Diemerbox. If you want to kill birds in Canada, we want overcast days. The countdown is on and today's broadcast of The Foul Life with Chad, Tommy, Blake and Quickload Waterfowl Outfitters own Barkley Fisher goes live in T minus three, two, one. Who named uh, Quickload? I bought the company and the name was already there. So we just, because there's already, the license is already in the business name, we just moved it to Saskatchewan. So you used to have OTG, right? Yeah, I had Off the Grid Waterfowl, which was my guide company when I worked for Grant. And then when I moved, um, down south here, I moved into Quickload Waterfowl. Bought a license, got my own outfitter's license for zones 45, 46, and 47 in Saskatchewan. Is it considered, I remember when we first filmed here, Grant said this is one of the top flyways in Saskatchewan. Is that true and why? We're very close to the forestry. So when the birds migrate, the first farmland they see is basically within a half hour of our lodge. So they got to come over all the forest to get into the green, and this is where they start to feed. Which forest? Bronson Forest. Northern Saskatchewan. Basically, an hour north of us is forest all the way to the Northwest Territories. So when the ducks come south, this is the first cropland, the first feed they see, and they've been imprinted here because they're used to stopping here for all this food. Yeah, and then we're blessed with all the potholes because the ducks love all the potholes. So when they come down and start to migrate they land here they roost on the potholes and we had just an abundance of grain and they'll you know they'll stage here for two weeks they'll feed hard and then they'll move but then a new flush of birds will come in when does the migration usually start early september we're we're really lucky we've got a local we call them local birds big canadas and ducks that just nest here in the summer so the september one through till second week of september we're shooting local birds and then the migration happens. And as soon as you see speckle bellies and snow geese, you know that the migration's happening. Do the sandhill cranes move through here? They fly right over us. We we see them come over, but they don't stage here. Yeah, they don't really. Do they stop in Canada at all? Oh, big time. Where? Southern parts of the province. So Alberta and Saskatchewan, they stop in the southern parts. Yeah, there's places in Saskatchewan where they hunt sandhill cranes regularly. Tommy, this is your first time in Canada. What have you heard about Canada in the past? Before you came up here and witnessed it and experienced it for yourself, what were some of the rumors or some of the testimonials that you've heard in the past? Sheer numbers of birds, which is what we've seen since we've been up here. And like the abundance, like the, and the different breeds or types of birds that you see, you know, ducks, mallards, Canada geese, specks, snows, all of them. They're all in like one place. And the sheer numbers of them and that's kind of what we've seen since we've been up here like it's amazing the amount of birds that you see 
in the numbers that they're in. It's crazy. Did it have you nervous a little bit at all on your trip so far? Has it exceeded expectations? Because even when you don't have the best hunt up here, you're still seeing the mass yeah, of no, birds. It, it totally exceeded expectations in every way it could. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, the amount of birds that you see. Even, like, the other day, we didn't quite set up great, but we just didn't have any wind. And we still had thousands of lesser geese just all over us all afternoon. It was crazy. What would you rather do after – because you said that this was your first time ever laying under – mallards or geese in a dry field i know you've mm-hmm. chased specks in arkansas but as far as like combo hunts like this are you fired up about it or is it become one of your favorites in a hurry would you want to concentrate on this type of hunting in the dry fields yeah i like the combo aspect where like this morning we had i mean we had lessers and mallards which was like super cool because we don't get that at home like you can't hunt specks and ducks in the same field unless you have like a special rice field that they're just like in and have been in but yeah this is something i can get behind for sure it's special we also have blake famey on the podcast tonight martinez gun club we just witnessed some youtube videos of blake i'm talking like straight up tom knapp tim bradley style stuff right trick shooting with a shotgun do you think all of your training in trick shooting is conducive to this style hunting because we're getting the birds in tight. My question, Blake, is when it comes to shotgunning, you still have to have the basics and the mechanics down to kill them, you know, to get up, shoulder the gun, get the gun on, get your beat on the gun, get it on target, squeeze the trigger, follow through, get a lead, da 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 Even when you're in Canada, you still have to be on, you know, Pattern your shotgun. Go practice at the sporting clays or the you know the target range. Talk to me a little bit about what you've seen, like your skills and your experience in shotgunning, how it pays off because we're getting to shoot a lot every day. Yeah, I think you know when it comes to clay target sports, uh, one of the biggest differences we call pull. So we tell the thing when to fly. Where when we're hunting, you know, it's it's they're here, right? So um, you got to be ready to react and and get that that gun up and and shoot uh, but the mechanics are the same right so that's getting the the gun to your shoulder getting your cheek down and whether you you use the bead or you look past it right uh, there's different ways to shoot i think all of that is, is similar but as far as uh, comparing the two together um you know duck hunting is unpredictable right the duck could go left could go right it's an unpredictable target where when we shoot trap skeet sporting clays it's predictable. We know the, the angle, the lead, you know, it's a little more of a, of a known target where a, a duck has a brain, right? Or a goose has a brain. So we don't know what they're going to do. So it's more of a spontaneous shooter. Uh, so there is a difference between the two. But as far as the mechanics, it is the same. Markley, when you sat in the blind tonight and you see those ducks doing it like they do, in your dish, just backpedaling, working it, you know, sunshine, mojos, great hide, great wind. The temperature's a little warm, but still, we're in Canada, and they're they're just working great. Do you love it as much now in your 50s? You've made reference like, well, we have a Canadian spread, and we'll go out there and do this. Okay, maybe 40s. Are you in your 40s? He just flipped me off for those who are just listening and not watching. Um, do you love it? Like, I know you love the aspect of outfitting. You got your son, Logan, here. You have your nephew here. 
You have a granddaughter now. You have all these clients coming in that have become more than clients. They're actual friends now. I know you love that part. The kitchen, the lodge, Mary and Jaden, they're working their butts off. You have your guides. You got your crew. But do you love the hunting aspect of it and the calling and the decoying and the hiding and the killing and the cooking and all of that still? Do you love it as much as you did when you were younger? I do. I just don't get to do it as much as I used to. And today was a total refresher because we've had eight weeks. Uh, I started mid-August uh, scouting birds, finding fields, talking to farmers. September 1, we started, and we've been rolling for six weeks. And to be able to go into the field and sit and hunt was just a total refresher for me because i that's the best part of the whole thing. I'll be honest with you. When I used to be able to sit, because for 15 years I got to sit in the field sit with the hunters and every day you got to see the excitement you got to enjoy it with the hunters but my roles changed because now i run the company and my relationships with the farmers is key so that i can put people in the field and honestly today was just spectacular for me you kind of recharged your batteries is what you're saying totally recharged my batteries i go back out tomorrow with you guys if i could are you going to no, tomorrow Logan's going to be with you. Oh, nice. We get a male model and a hockey player combo yeah. with us tomorrow. It's Logan, Logan's turn to go in the field. He's Our ratings to- are going up. This is like a river runs through it with Brad Pitt meets the foul life. <laughs> Tommy, you're an Arkansas hunter. You're from Tennessee, but you love hunting the flooded timber of Arkansas. Think about this question for a minute. It's almost November right now. You know, you're 10 days from November. You're mm-hmm. about a month from when the Arkansas duck season starts. Could you fathom, this is your first time hunting waterfowl in Canada. Could you fathom that as you sit there in Tennessee and Arkansas and you and your buddies are talking, you're like, dude, opening day is coming. It's the week before Thanksgiving. We're going to get them. The leaves are on the trees. It's been raining in Arkansas. We got water. But could you fathom in your mind that this many ducks would be this far north this late in the year? Like, wouldn't you think that? They would all be out of Canada mm-hmm. and in North Dakota and waiting to just trickle down through the Mississippi Flyway and the Mississippi River and, and you know, the Iowa and the Kansas and the Nebraska and da-da-da-da-da and then work their way into Arkansas. Can you imagine that there's this many birds still up here? I can't. Where I hunt at, like, it's got to be right, whether it's water, temperature, or whatever, for it to be good the first half of season. And, like, it doesn't really get right until you know the end of december early january is when it starts to be great and with that being said there's still a ton of ducks that are going to be in arkansas even on opening weekend but the amount of ducks that we saw today it is hard to fathom like the, the just the sheer numbers of them that are up here right now like it's unbelievable like i've never seen anything like it I mean, we talk about it at my camp all the time. It's like, we if we kill a band, we might kill a band like one time a year. And usually it's banded somewhere up here or North Dakota. And it's still hard to fathom that those ducks even migrate all the way down to Arkansas. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. Can I say one thing, too, is we're mid-October, which is, we call it late season here in Canada. Yeah. And today you saw speckle bellies, you saw snow geese, you saw Canada's, you saw honkers. And pintails. I'm surprised there's still pintails here. And widgeon. And widgeon. The migration is a funny thing. It's two weeks here or there for us. It can come two weeks early. It can be. It can stay two weeks late. 
you know, we haven't had any cold weather. We're expecting cold weather next week. It'll be really interesting to watch to see if the birds push out at this time of year. The other one that's crazy to think about, too, is like there's already specs in Arkansas. And California and a lot of them. And the fact that they're some of them are there and they're also still all the way up here in Saskatchewan is, is wild to me. It's just crazy. It really is. Like to think like what they experience or what they go through. Mm-hmm. Like where do the specs stop between here and Arkansas? Kansas a little bit. Yeah. Maybe Devil's Lake, North Dakota for a night. But I mean, these birds are on, they're on it, right? They're traveling and they get to these places they're used to going. Mm-hmm. Like Rocky Merlo sent me a video yesterday of thousands of specks in the rice country of Sacramento Delta and the rice country of Chico, California already. And there's so many up here still. It's like, do they just leave here and go all the way there and not really stop? I know they stop in the Klamath Basin and Oregon, Southern Oregon, Northern California area some. But, man, they're just – they go to those areas and they get there and they stay there. Mm -hmm. They're used to being there because of the food source. Yeah. They got open water and they have a food source. They're not leaving. Blake, you and Tommy have both made several references this week about Duff. Um, Tommy's went as far as saying that I want to have Duff's baby. I think he said that, or maybe it was, I want one of Duff's babies. I don't I know. I think what. it was, I want one of Duff's puppies. <laughs> oh, yeah. you want one of Duff puppies. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I went as far to say that, but yeah. But he's been pretty impressive, huh, Blake? Oh, yeah. I mean, Duff is an incredible dog, and um, I have a good dog back home, Emma Lou, who is a chocolate, and some people have a different opinion about chocolate, but... This breed of chocolates is phenomenal from our good buddy Dale Whitler. But Duff reminds me of, of of Emma because it's a it's a dog you could bring home, family dog, right? Like laying on her back, laying on his back, and I call it, Emma's a female, obviously, so I'm thinking of her. But um, but once they get in the field, they're an animal. They totally uh, transition into a complete duck dog, right? And they're all business. But at home, you know, you can have them in the house, jump in the bed. You, I mean, Emma, like, sleeps in my bed, too, so not going to lie about that. But uh, it's just cool to have a family dog and a duck dog, and I see that in Duff, uh, just like my dog Emma. Barkley, um, talk to me a little bit about Joey. How do you pronounce his last name? Ginzali. Joey Ginzali, yeah. No, Ginzali. 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 Me amico. Yeah, Joey, Ciao. Joey the Italian. I don't even dare to. He's wonderful. He's a really unique person, very skilled waterfowl hunter. He reads the birds probably better than anybody I know and has the ability to talk to the geese. Every day he comes to me, Barkley. We, so the leading edge lessers we're finding are tough birds to hunt. You know, the, the lessers that were here two or three weeks ago, adult lessers, they're very weary and they're hard to hunt. And so some mornings we get 17 and he was frustrated. But he goes, I'm, I'm listening to the birds, I'm watching what they do, and I'm changing my calling technique. And every day he challenged himself to get better, and that's what I love about the man. And then he went from 17, he was getting 30, and then pretty soon he's killing 40, 40 birds a morning. He's killing limits of lessers, adult lessers that are the hardest bird right now to kill. He just, phenomenal ability to listen and to watch and to read the birds in the morning so that he can get them in so the, the hunters can get a shot at them. Tommy, Barkley mentioned lessers right there. You are from Arkansas. You hunt specks and mainly mallards. 
you hunted Canada geese, the big honkers variety with me in Nebraska. Lessers are pretty cool, powerful, mm-hmm. obnoxious. But man, when they do it, it's really neat, isn't it? Yeah. They're loud. They're very vocal. They're kind of like specs in that. We're like, they're very vocal. You get big flocks of them. And they are like what you were saying. They're, they're kind of weary. Like they're not like with specs in Arkansas, if you're in the right spot in the right time, like they're pretty easy. These are not very easy birds to hunt, so it seems. I think that lessers have become more difficult. Like it used to be kind of a gimme up here, right, Barkley? Well, I think 15 years ago, our, our lessers were the birds that we just targeted because a, a little group of 15 would come in and they would just hook in and land. And then probably be season after season getting hunted so harded, harder, the. Um, Adult lessers got smarter and smarter, and they, they almost act like a snow goose, a tough snow goose. You know, they fly around, they fly around, they stay high, and the adult lessers are just one of the toughest birds for us to hunt right now. I agree. I've seen it the last 10 days. I've seen it where I'm very frustrated with hunting lessers because I'm used to getting them. Friends You're used to talking to, to them, them and, 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 yeah. and, they, and they decoy and they work. Yeah, and it's just one of those things. Barkley, talk to me before I go to Tommy again and Blake, the lodge here. Tell me the story behind this because this is not a very easy undertaking. This is a legit piece of property. The lodge is kind of a shop that has a – a barnuminium style built into it, if you will, a metal building, but you can explain that more. But man, you've outdid yourself here. The kitchen, the dining room table, the cement floors, the TV room, the sitting room, the gun room and the mud room, the bedrooms upstairs, the bathrooms, the amenities, like you've outdone yourself. Was it a vision that you had that you wanted something to where hunters had somewhere to come back to and relax and have a a really nice canadian afternoon after a morning hunt maybe take a nap get ready for the afternoon hunt whatever but what was your vision in this place and and is it done now have you have you have you reached all your goals or are you still building it i was very fortunate that i had a family member that owned this quarter section of land so it's 160 acres and i was visiting with him one day he was a good friend and i was saying to him I want to buy some property, and I want to build a lodge. I'd known the guy for 15 years. He goes, well, I got some land up there. And I was just like, really? And he said, yeah, I got a quarter section. And I said, well, where is it? And it's right in the heart of our flyway. And he goes, I'll sell it to you. He was in his 80s, and he was ready to you know, pass the land along. Because a lot of our land is sold privately. It's sold to family. So I bought the quarter section. And um, that year, we built the shop. And right from the start, I called it a shop. It's a farm shop. And it looks like a farm shop on the outside. You know, you, you pull up into the yard, and you're like, there's a brown building. looks like a farm shop. And the whole vision of it, I had it kind of in my head, but it was all, we just did it as built. So Logan was a big part of it. And we started the next summer. We put the shop up in November the year before. The next summer, we started building. We poured the slab and Logan helped me, and we had we hired a contractor to do a lot of the work, and we were just the grunts. And the first year we built what you see here, this this sitting area, the kitchen, and the upstairs. We had four bedrooms, and it was wide open to the shop area. 
And year after year, we just added on, we, we tweaked it, we put in more bathrooms, we put in more bedrooms. And, you know, this year we got the nice locker room and a couple more bedrooms out there. And it, I wanted the inside to be a hunting lodge. And, you know, anybody that sees it, they're just like, wow, we got a lot of wood, we got a lot of tin, you know, we got a wood burning stove. And I have more plans for the place. We, you know, we need to do some stuff outside, you know, some outside living areas, that kind of thing. And, but it, everybody that comes in here feels like they're coming hunting. And that is a real big key for a lot of our guys that come up from the States. They want to come into some place that, you know, feels like their duck club down in the States kind of feels like, okay, we're, we're here to hunt. And that was in the back of my mind is how I want this whole place to build and develop. What percentage of your clientele is from the 48 continental United States? Well, we're, we're, you know, we're probably 80%. We had to kind of change things up during COVID. We got hit really hard when you, when us hunters were, you know, you couldn't even come into Canada. So we, we went to our Canadian customers and built that up a little bit and I've held on to them. So we're, we're probably like 80, 20. Really? I would have never imagined that it would be that high or that even, I would think it'd be like 99, one. I think in the big years, you tend to go to your U S customers, the, the U S dollar, the exchange is a, it's a huge benefit to, uh, from a business standpoint, but Nowadays, a lot of Canadian fellas, and a lot of them are family and friends that love to waterfowl hunt, but they don't have the time to do the scouting. And, you know, they, they work jobs in big cities, and they, but they want to come back to their roots, and they want to do their, their fall waterfowl hunt. All right, let's recap today's hunts. Day one, quick load waterfowl. We start off this morning with... It's going to be a hunt that we're targeting lessers. There's some ducks, and we sprinkle in some snows because there's snows in the area. We end up waxing them. We end up killing a pile of lessers, a pile of snows, and for lack of better terms, it it's, it was a stellar morning. Tommy, the combo part of that in Canada is pretty legit, right? Like You don't know what call you need to reach for on your lanyard. You don't know what size loads you need in your gun. We have BBs, we have twos, we have threes, we have fours. Talk to me a little bit, Tommy, about your anticipation and seeing a hunt come into fruition like that and what you're thinking. Or have you done it so many times and seen ducks get right in the decoys that you're just like, oh, this is another hunt? Or did it fire you up? Oh, it totally fired me up. I mean, I mean, if it would have all just been ducks to start out with, like, and I don't get to hunt dry field mallards ever like not i've done it one time and it was we were hunting graders in nebraska we just happened to have a group of mallards that did it one time that was the first dry field mallard i ever killed that was in what november when i was down there with you yep but i mean just again the sheer amount of geese that we saw this morning was unbelievable and then you sprinkle in the snows and you know the snows don't always act right the lessers did it great this morning uh, which was super cool to see. It's cooler, in my opinion, because you have so much bigger groups, like we did in Nebraska with graders. 
But like when the Lessers do it, they do it right, and it's very cool to see. I like that answer that they do it right. Blake, you hunt a lot of specs and a lot of puddle ducks in California. Butte Sink, Sacramento Delta, the Rice Country, the East Bay, Susan Marsh, San Francisco. Give me your idea of today's hunt, the morning portion of it. Were you pretty fired up about that? Yeah, I mean, I listened to the, the crew, the staff here, and – they got these birds patterned, right? They know the roost, they know the water, they know where they eat. And uh, it's somewhat predictable, right? Like I'm looking and listening and, and going, okay, I'll, I'll roll with it. And, and they were right. They they know the pattern of these birds and what they do up here. And I'm not sure we have that in the, in the Sacramento Valley and in the marsh as much. Um, I don't really hunt in the marsh that much, but uh, I'm mainly Sacramento Valley, uh, Calusa, Gridley in that area, south of Chico. Um, you know, we're weather dependent, right? But a bluebird day, uh, what, 10 mile an hour wind at most today, you know, like I'm not sure what I'm going to get in the Sacramento Valley, but the guys here were confident that we were going to get birds, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, it's totally different way of hunting. And, um, and up here, there's just a lot of birds. There's new birds, there's young birds. And, uh, I just wish we had that kind of success rate back home because, I know there's some days that the sky looked the same and, and you might not see, uh, I mean, you probably see some birds, but you're just not going to get as many birds back home on a day like today, uh, down in California. Barkley, when will you outfit for waterfowl? Meaning when do you have confidence to book a group that has to buy airfare or drive across the border, travel, get all their gun documentation, buy all their stamps and their licenses, you know, figure out that entire part of it. It's not an easy undertaking. And I know that you do all of your due diligence to make it easy for a foreigner to travel here to hunt. But if I say, hey, Barkley, I'm booked all through October and I can come from Halloween, October 31st to November 5th, would you take my money and guide me? We're real cautious um, towards the end of October. September 1, I have no qualms. Um, there's birds here. But come late October, I've seen years where we get cold weather. As soon as the water freezes, the birds are gone. So you have to be real careful towards the end of October. And we typically don't book past the end of October. You start pushing into November, you're risking having to call people and say, look, I got to cancel your hunt. And we've never, we've never booked past the end of October. So... You look at it right now, how crazy the weather is. You, you're you here late October. We have beautiful weather, but we're looking at the forecast. And I'm looking at the forecast for next week, and I'm talking Celsius. We're going to go to minus 9 next week. And we don't have very good daytime highs. We're looking at going to hit zero. Water's going to freeze. And when water freezes, the birds move. So we're going to be scratching. You know, I got customers booked till October. October 27th, we're going to get birds. I'm not worried about that, but I wouldn't want to be going any further than October 27th this year. October 27th. So the answer to my question is no, you would not guide me or outfit me past November 1st. Tommy, when you think about their seasons over before, and I'm talking three weeks before your season even begins, this is another amazing deal to me in waterfowl hunting that, even as far as like North Dakota, Minnesota, like you could be like done 
in early November before Arkansas season even begins. Mm -hmm. That is such a cool, not benefit, but that's such a cool deal about waterfowling. Yeah. Ducks and geese are so calendar like right they move right they're imprinted you know kind of when they're going to get to arkansas you know and they might be a few days later even a week late right but isn't that a really neat deal that you could come up here as early as september 1st and Mm -hmm. still have confidence that you're going to be able to hunt mallards and thanksgiving weekend in november Mm -hmm. in arkansas yeah it's super cool and it's and like i was saying earlier like like yeah there's going to be birds in arkansas for opening weekend before Thanksgiving, thanks to that first split that we have with the 10 days from the weekend before Thanksgiving through Thanksgiving weekend, like there's going to be birds there, but nine times out of 10, they're not even really there yet. And like, they're not there in the numbers that we see in like mid January, early to mid January. And like, it's, it's, it's just crazy to think that these guys, like they're done three weeks before we even start. Interesting. And, interesting point. Like, just so you understand our waterfall season, it's September 1st to December 15th. That's for the whole province of Saskatchewan. December wow. 15th. December 15th. So I got to imagine it's But we've had crazy years, cold. We've had years, Tom, where we hunted geese late November. Mm-hmm. We've had falls where it doesn't get cold because we can get crazy weather here. Yeah. And, and the birds, as long as there's open water and mm-hmm. there's no snow, the birds will stay and feed here. Yeah. So you you would get a late push Which of birds. Would make sense why we get a late push. You yeah. would get a late push of birds into the south, November, December. And, you know, there's also a big difference from where I'm at in southern Saskatchewan, where they'll probably hunt two weeks later. They might go into November in southern Saskatchewan, you know, towards North Dakota. Just the weather's a little different. Things aren't quite as cold. A little milder. Meaning that southern Saskatchewan is going to replicate a little bit of North Dakota kind. I mean, you if you're a Canadian resident that makes his or her home in southern Saskatchewan, you could be hunting waterfowl from September 1st all the way, maybe till ends. I mean, maybe there are some seasons where they hunt them into December, which is kind of a cool deal to say, hey, I'm because I've heard of that over like on the Peace River in Alberta, like towards southern Alberta to where they're still killing them in, in late November on the river there. Southern Alberta, for sure, because it's real mild. You're right on the Rocky Mountains and the weather is a lot milder than southern Saskatchewan. So that they'll hunt into December, guaranteed, in southern Alberta. Really? Yeah. Why is the weather more milder when there's mountains involved? Because of because well, you get the Chinooks. Chinooks come through the mountains. Uh, like the city of Calgary, southern Alberta, much milder than the city of Edmonton, which is kind of in not really northern Alberta, but mid-Alberta. And they'll just stay and feed. They'll stay and feed late. We're going to break here for a few commercials, so please stick around. Canada has the birds, the Fowl Life crew has their Benellis, and the black cloud is making it rain. I pulled up on a duck. I thought I shot a pillow. There was feathers. It was just stone cold Steve Austin. Down. Done. Done. Nothing performs like Black Cloud. Fuel your waterfowling passion by listening to every episode of The Fowl Life on SoundCloud, iHeart, Spotify, thefowllife.com, or your preferred streaming platform. This episode of The Fowl Life is brought to you in part by High Viz Sites, Napa Valley Olive Oil, Jargon Game Calls, and Rigid Lights. Chad Belding, Blake Famey, Tommy Miller, and Barkley Fisher will return after this brief word from our partners. Stick around.
It's called Benelli's The Foul Eye for a reason. We love Benelli. They are the top shelf of waterfowl shotguns, all shotguns for that matter, in my opinion. But when you start talking about duck blinds, goose blinds, laydown blinds, panel blinds, pit blinds, the debris, the wear and tear, everything that we put our guns through throughout a duck season, whether it's a 60-day duck season in the south or you start up north and north of the border in Canada, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and follow the migration south. Some of us, myself included, hunt over 120 days a year. And every single time I squeeze that Benelli trigger, it goes bam. I'm so proud and honored to be part of the Benelli family. And when it comes to the Super Black Eagle 3, the 12 gauge, the 20 gauge, the 28 gauge, I absolutely love this line of shotguns, the inertia, every single thing from the rib down to the sight, to the choke tube, to the constrictions, the performance is what it's all about with Benelli. The Super Black Eagle series in 12 gauge, 20 gauge, and 28 gauge, whether you get Rob Roberts to build the performance shop or you keep them straight out of the box factory, they perform their simply perfect. It's Benelli. It's the confidence of shouldering that shotgun and the responsibility of pointing it at a live animal and squeezing that trigger. The dispatch, humane, ethics, everything that goes into it. Benelli believes in the culture of the duck hunter, the goose hunter, the turkey hunter, the upland hunter. So whether you're doing sporting clays, whether you're chasing waterfowl, chasing upland, chasing turkeys, Benelli builds a shotgun for you. Benelli's the foul life. They're 13 seasons as our title sponsor. Can you imagine this relationship. Thank you, Benelli. Thank you all for supporting Benelli. And I know it's all of our goal to walk into that sporting good, that Benelli dealer, that store and say, let me shoulder that super black eagle. And now you can do it in so many gauges, the sub gauges included. We're fired up. Good luck this season. Stay safe out there and shoot straight. Shoot Benelli. When it comes to setting up the perfect spread, there's one crucial element, motion. Ducks have sharp eyes, and static decoys won't fool them for long. That's where motion decoys step in, bringing your spread to life and creating an irresistible scene. So why are motion decoys so important? Ducks are social creatures, and they seek cues that signal safety for landing. By adding motion to your spread, you're telling passing flocks that it's all clear and inviting them to join the party. Mojo's spinning wing decoys emulate the flash of duck wings from afar to draw them in and finish them like magic. Mojo's decoys are specifically designed to catch ducks' attention, and Mojo's motion decoys shine on those calmer low wind days when natural water movement is lacking. So if you're serious about bringing ducks to your blind, embrace the power of motion decoys with Mojo and head for MojoOutdoors.com today. Keep talking. That's our slogan at Jargon Game Calls. The new Mega 4 single read duck call with our extensive research of the gut system, the design in the Mega 4. It's different. It hits harder. It operates differently than any duck call in the market. We've heard it from everybody. They could be blown a competitor's call for years, and there's so many great duck and goose calls out there. And when they pick up the Mega 4, they're like, holy smokes, the best duck call I've ever operated. You don't really blow a duck call or a goose call. You operate it. It's an air system. We can go into that, but you can find instructional videos at jargongamecalls.com on our YouTube, on episodes of Benelli's The Foul Life on the Outdoor Channel. Duck calling and goose calling is an art, as well as turkey calling, and our entire turkey call line is available at jargongamecalls.com. But the Mega 4, and then you get into short read goose calls, the wrecking ball and the crazy train. Listen to the difference in sound, the ease of use, the quality of acrylic, the turning of it, the design, the engraving. A lot of research has gone into these designs. My partner Chris, myself, our entire crew at Jargon, located in Northeast Arkansas, right in the heart of Mallard Duck Country. They're designed in America, and they're built by craftsmen, dreamers, duck hunters, waterfowl lovers, duck camp goers. We absolutely 
absolutely love this lifestyle and our entire line of J-Frame single read duck calls, our double read, the icebreaker, you're going to love them all. People are going nuts about the sounds and the results they're getting from Jargon Game Calls, both our duck, goose, and turkey calls. More to come. Visit us at JargonGameCalls.com and get you a Mega 4 for this season, a live duck, a paradox, so many great duck calls to choose from. And don't forget that crazy training wrecking ball short read style Canada goose calls. We just hammered them in upstate New York with them on our lanyards. The geese truly respond to them. I'm Chad Belding with the Foul Life Television. Thank you for supporting Jargon Game Calls. Sunshine or clouds, it's Clash of the Titans. So pick a side, Chad versus Barkley. You never want to hunt ducks in clouds. We love clouds here. Not for ducks. Yeah, oh yeah. Not a chance. Guaranteed. Oh, I like chance. sunshine. We love overcast days. If you want to kill birds in Canada, we want overcast days. No sunshine, no mallard. I'm sticking to it. Oh God, I won't even get out of bed for it. Listen in as the guys get fired up to hunt vast amounts of birds on the rolling hills and open plains of Saskatchewan. This is one of the top flyways in Saskatchewan. The foul life is made possible by Jack Daniels. Six hour camo space and corning ford now back to the boys like tonight's hunt recapping it the mojos the blind the concealment the hide were any of those tough shotgun shots or are those gimmies your background is shotgun and instruction and trick shooting and all that were they gimmies when they're back flapping into the decoys like that or is a duck hunter have to work at becoming efficient with those type of shots. I mean, today's shots, when you call those shots, I mean, a good shooter could easily triple, right? A lot of doubling. I mean, those birds are feet out on the mojo uh, landing, right? This is not pass shooting or any, sh- no shot was over 30 yards uh, when we said, you know, take them. No, I mean, uh, they, they weren't very hard shots. I mean, maybe you're, your second shot got a little more difficult and your third might have been, uh, you know, a trick because it's crossing a little more lead. But your first shot was, was feed out. Tommy, when you have an opportunity to experience what you have, and I'm talking we've been here. We got here yesterday morning. This is our first real full day here. What do you tell your friends when you go back to Tennessee and Arkansas? Do you start saving money to come back and book a group of friends and come experience this again? Is this become like a goal in your mind? Like I have no questions asked. I have to do this every year from now on. Midway through our afternoon hunt today, when we were almost done with ducks this afternoon, I texted my group chat and a second group chat and said, we're coming to Canada next year. It was like, we're coming up here with the boys and we're going to do this because it's unbelievable. It's fun, huh? It's unbelievable. It like is The unbelievable. amount of ducks that we saw get out of that pothole this afternoon, I've never seen anything like that. It was I want to talk about that a little bit because there's a little bit of banter going on when... when well, I was talking mad smack. Oh, I know. I know you were because <laughs> I, I knew all were. the ducks were in well, there. As soon as we pulled into too. the field, I saw all the ducks in the slough and I'm just like, oh, okay, well... We got to bump them out. My first reaction is we're going to bump those birds out. So the first thing I said to Luke, I said, "We're we're kind of getting set up." I said, "Luke, you got to go drive by that slough and you got to get them birds out of there." He looks at me and said, "No, you got to get them out of there, or else I'm going to go get them out of there." Well, why are we bumping them out? I said, "Because we can't shoot at them. We got to bump them out softly, and then then they'll come back." Luke goes in, bumps them out, and we all stand there and watch, and like fifteen hundred ducks fly out of the slough. Everybody's watching them leave. 
and I hear the banter. And the slew's not big. No, it's it's, it's not. Small. The banter was they may not come back. That's right. Yeah. And but they it, didn't. Those were different ducks that we were calling from the heavens. They were migrating. I knew there was more ducks than that. <laughs> and there's the well, no, at one point, Chad, you said, if you, if you had a crystal ball in your hand, are they coming back? You and Joey me. said, yes. Joey said, So yes. there was some doubt. There was some doubt. I never doubt anything Barkley does. No, I did hear you say, <laughs> okay, this is done. This ain't going to work. <laughs> yeah. I did hear you say that. And it didn't until we called. <laughs> that jargon just attracts them for miles. <laughs> I mean, if, it wasn't for, if you had a Haydale, we would have killed a duck. Oh, Haydale makes a good call. Yeah, yeah, the D82. DR85. What I'm, what I'm getting at I love is Haydale. quite often, because we have so many potholes within our fields, we got to bump the birds out because they day roost there. And we're really comfortable softly pushing ducks out of a day roost, and they go back to the big water, and then they trickle back. And they trickled back, little groups, little bunches, and... It's uh, something we just have learned. We got You can't let them sit there because as soon as the first shotgun goes off, they ain't coming back. Not coming back. No, it scares the heck out of them. Yeah. Bumping them and walking them out like we did those geese yesterday on our first afternoon hunt. We're going to go back in there tomorrow or the next day, and we're going to smack those lessers when it's right. We lost our wind, and we could have shot into those groups, yeah. but it wasn't right. It just wasn't Right, and I don't want to just kill them to kill them. That's a yeah. weird mindset, and that's different than outfitting. That's different than guiding. I get it. I don't want to just kill them to kill them. Man, it was pretty watching those 2,000 lessers just do it. Do it. And it's, all afternoon. I take a lot of grief for that. A lot of people don't like that. They get mad. They don't like the idea of passing up to get it right a day later. They want it now. I want to get it right. Chad, going back to the comment of the birds up here – and now there's birds at the same time, Rock Merlot, Chico, California, thousands of specks. Barkley, typically, what is the temperature right now? This is 70 degrees here today. Is that normal? No, it's it's above average. Like, typically, this time of year, we, we would be in the 50s, 60s kind of thing. You know, it's, it's hard to say our, our falls, and I say fall meaning September, October, have been increasingly warm for some reason the last five years they've been really warm and it's helped us with our hunting so you know it's i've had some years where october 10th everything's froze up and the birds are gone so are some birds moving just because of like an internal clock or calendar that they're down in the sacramento valley like they like a homing pigeon they're they're just moving because that's the time to move and then there's the other birds that move because everything freezes over like why are there birds up here and and birds are already down in california no i think i think you're right some of the birds say with like your their migration clock is different than others because we're seeing speckle bellies early september but now you're still seeing them october so there's a Summer just triggered to go sooner. You add into that the moon phase and a north wind and in early October this year, which was like October 2nd through the 10th, you had the full moon. So some of those birds take advantage of it. And they're like, hey, we're rolling. Time to go. We're going. We know what we have when we get down there. 
Yeah. And those ancestral birds, which, you know, ancestral holes is known in duck hunting with imprinting, right? So those ducks remember or those geese remember and they bring back their youngins and they bring back the younger birds. And then those younger birds start to imprint and they start to remember it, and they become ancestral holes. And I think a lot of it has to do with the moon phase. For example, we were in New York in September. Last year, the moon phase was mid-September 18th to the 23rd. And we were smashing groups of a hundred. We were decoying groups of a hundred birds, migrators a mile high coming on that moon, right? Um, this year, the moon wasn't until, like I said, first week of October. It was a later migration. Those birds really do ride that moon. So they know, like they, they look for that bright sky and they're like, let's roll. So I think that maybe a lot of those birds that are down there early, maybe got that moon and, and wrote and rode a north wind or just got up and went it's it's a theory but who knows but there's a lot of birds in in the sacramento valley right now and there's still a lot of specks up here but i would say that out of all the geese up here right now specks are the least right barkley yeah the big push was two or three weeks ago you know and we see that every year it's, i look at the migration it's always two weeks either way so it might be two weeks early two weeks late no more than that. Like the the big flush of specks, they come through typically earlier than the than the lessers, and so they've been through here two three weeks ago. We had big flocks of specks come through, and and we shot them second third week of September. You know, we shot a lot of speckabellies and mature speckabellies in the decoys. Yeah, they're the hardest goose to decoy up here, in my opinion. Yeah, I know you guys get frustrated with it, but you don't have a speckabelly call either. So yeah, I feel like a lot of people up here don't really, really call the specs. Like for me, I'm not good on a Canada goose call because I've never really hunted those enough to really get on that call. But I can call specs, right? You don't even have a call, Barkley just said. Well, mine's at the duck club. What duck club? Because this is our duck club. (laughs) But what I'm saying is, back home, I call a spec. I know how to call a spec up here. I feel like most don't really call spec because it's most lessers and right. So knowing how to call and having that call is, is super important. But uh, tomorrow, I think we scrounge up a spec call. So I think we're going to see more uh, more specs in our. Who uh, scrounge one up? I think Joey had an extra. Yeah, He's Joey too, said he had trying to find it. He, he dumped out a, a Ziploc bag of like a hundred calls. And uh, he says, one of these is a speck. So I think we got to like, I don't know. There's got to be one in that bag. It sounds wrong, but blow each one. <laughs> Figure out which one is the, the high. Uh, the laughing goose. All right. So tomorrow, the forecast, Logan's sitting over there. Hand Logan the microphone, please, Tommy. Logan, what's the forecast for tomorrow? Weather or birds? Well, f- weather first. Oh. Well, we got a surprise lightning lightning storm here about half an hour ago, so that was that was news. Um, we got a good wind for tomorrow. That should be playing in your favor, and I know that you uh, you like that. So, wind. I think the cloud cover should be okay, and it should be a good hunting morning. I think. And we're hunting fava beans. Fava beans. Fava. No R. I got no told R. by Joey actually it's fava beans, not faba. I was calling it faba. It's fava beans. F-A- I could be wrong. F A V A. That's how he pronounced it to me, but I thought it was faba. But F A B A. So people can look that one up. I'm not. It's fava beans. I'm not sure. So fava bean field. What what species are we targeting tomorrow? Uh, lessers and mallards. That's what's in there. Yeah. Oh, that's and a good time. It's a good we combo. got a good wind. What is the sky? Is it bluebird? 
Well, I, I'm not as bluebird as today. It's supposed to be more cloud cover wind. It's more of a hunting day tomorrow. I and like check. sunshine. And yeah, that, that's been uh, hurting us a little bit. When you don't like cloud. sunshine for mallards? You never want to hunt ducks in clouds, ever. We love clouds here. Not for ducks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not a chance. Guaranteed. No. I want to hear this debate. Guaranteed. So These our, guys just our, watched us on a, a cloud sky two nights ago in Alberta. We did not decoy one duck. You're not gonna. Well, that's Alberta. This is Saskatchewan. So um, <laughs> we love overcast days. We love lots of wind. The birds just work better. <sighs> this is going to be a debate because Barkley. I could see both sides. But with the mallard, though, I, I kind of got to take Chet's side. And I, I'm Mallards neutral. Need sun. Is with the What's sun, those saying? mallard. What's my saying? I, and are they blinded by the light? I mean, they're coming. No, it's shadows, dude. They but, can pick you up. I like the cloudy day too, but those mallard just seem to come in way harder and closer with the sun in their eyes. 100%. Well, we lucked out. We had a west wind. Not just with the sun in their eyes, brightness. It's all about color and flash. It's all about color and flash, and it's all about brightness. Mallards do not act like ducks when it's cloudy, they will not finish. Now, you might get a, an occasional one to just, well, I'm going in. But your big groups are not going to finish in any condition other than sunshine. Whether it's flooded me? timber, whether it's rice fields, anything. Now, your snow geese and your different, maybe some of your divers, you get that low ceiling, that low dome and some wind and some spitting snow, maybe. But mallard ducks, you have to have sunshine. Tommy, what's the saying? No sunshine. He's thinking about going the other way. It's uh -oh. no mallard. No mallard. I will say, there's. I was talking to Barkley about this earlier tonight. If we do not have sunshine in the woods in Arkansas, it is extremely difficult unless it's raining. If it's cloudy, overcast, you're not going to have a good hunt. Nope. If it's raining, you can pull it off. Now, in Arkansas, the best hunts that we have for specs, which aren't mallards, I know that's what we're talking about, but for specs, you crush them in the fields, in A-frames. With clouds. I won't deny that, but, but you also crush them in sunshine. Oh, of course. Of course. Specs. But recently, in the last three years or so, we've done better in the clouds in Arkansas with specs. I well, about mallards. I know. I'm just saying. You're not killing mallards in cloudy days. You're no, not decoying. Not, not in Arkansas. You guys just sat with me the night before last, and if we would have sunshine that night, we would have killed every mallard we saw. But I will just say. Just like tonight. Plain and simple. These guys know what they're talking about around here. Well, I get that they know what they're talking about. <laughs> Just saying. I get that. I'm not arguing with but, Barkley, but, but I am kind of. I'm not, arguing with you you about, I'm not arguing with you about tonight. We had a bluebird sky. We Murdered had perfect conditions. It was great. We had a west wind. Ducks are flying into the sun. Field. It was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. But consistently, if you want to kill birds in Canada... We want overcast days. We have to acknowledge those words because here's the thing. He's not lying. The guy's been up here for how many years? Ten. My he's whole life. from New York. His whole life. So he's obviously killed birds in those cloudy weather. But I do agree with Chad. The sunny weather has produced more mallard for us. But you've killed a lot of mallard and other, every bird with a cloudy day. So yeah, our, this if, is interesting, if, if, right? If you're killing them at 50. If you look at the statistics, because you do the statistics on everything that we do, if we looked at cloud cover versus sunny days, guaranteed we probably shoot forty to fifty more birds a day. So now with geese, yes, but not mallards. Can and I ducks. ask you a question? No, and ducks. 
question. The wind is a huge part of that too. Well, that's another factor. You, well, you got to have wind, regardless. Re- regardless, and because the wind is the biggest factor. Do you typically have more cloudy days than you do sunny days? We pray for cloudy days, so we've had some pretty good cloudy days. The trouble with the sunny days is then we get frost. Give or take. When you get a clear day and the temperature drops, then we get frost. And we frost is a big factor in wet decoys. What about fog? We get a lot of fog. Fog's 50-50. Sometimes it's wonderful. Sometimes it's horrible. Yeah. No mallard with no sun. No sunshine, no mallard. I'm sticking to it. I'm going to put you on a duck hunt, a mallard duck hunt on a cloudy day. Oh, God, I won't even get out of bed for it. You need to yeah, create a song will. after that. I'm being for real. Like, ain't no sunshine, ain't no mallard. I I'm just going to tell you it's a I won't hunt. take anybody's I'll word that you, you can kill hunt. ducks consistently, mallard species, on a cloudy day. They just don't act like mallards. I'll go. Yeah, but you guys like shooting. Now, here's another thing. You shoot no, them I at just 40. Wanna, I just want to see it. I want to shoot them at 10. No, I know. It's a different agenda. It's a different it's game a totally for different agenda when you're here. And you love it. You don't even want us to leave. <laughs> you pulled me aside tonight and asked me to Check. stay. <laughs> I All need right, a guide for wait, next year. Well, I, want go, I want to talk about Black Cloud ammunition real quick. Federal premium. The Black Cloud 4s literally wrap those ballards up like bacon. I mean, it was they like... what? It wrapped them up like bacon, like a like a duck popper. Oh, so they made a popper without even trying. Those 4s uh, hit hard. So we shot 2s, we shot BB, because we weren't sure whether it was going to be the Canada geese or the mallard and... I mean, the BB, they put big holes in, in the Mallard, a uh, l- little bit overkill. But I feel like the fours were the perfect combination for Saskatchewan Mallard today. Would you agree? They smacked them. Crunch. It was an unbelievable load. You got more BBs, smaller holes, and wrapped them up. Yeah, and it's not a pressure sale. I mean, it's even Joey made mention this morning. He's like, dude, nothing hits like Black Cloud. Like, guides will are notorious for shooting whatever they can get. And, and I right. thought it was just a hype when I first started hunting with you. Because, you know, coming out of college, you just kind of buy the cheapest ammo you can afford, mm-hmm. right? And we don't have to name any names. But I pulled They'll up on a duck today. Buy them red shoes. And I shot. And pow! I thought I shot a pillow. I mean, there was feathers. It was just Stone Cold Steve Austin down. Down. Done. I'm telling you, nothing performs like Black Cloud. It was incredible. So, I'm a believer Spend that extra couple dollars and stone the bird. Stone it. Stone it. Quit crippling them. Quit making it hard on your dog. I do like to see a challenge. Man, I'm, I can't keep quit thinking about how awesome Duff was the last couple days. He's on it, right, Tommy? A trained dog compared to a non-trained dog is night and day. I mean, mm-hmm. your trainers, your commands, it's incredible. Welcome back to the Foul Life Podcast where Blake and Tommy – while Barkley was away, just agree with me that uh, no sun, outside. no mallard. I went outside to check the weather, and there's stars now, so we got a clear sky. Or the we northern just had a rainstorm blow through. And the interesting thing is that snow geese are flying right now. They're moving from the sloughs down below, and I can hear them moving in the middle of the night. Are they not migrators? I don't know what they're doing. Is that concerning? Well, there's been a bunch of snow geese feeding down below. Yeah. For like a week, mm-hmm. and maybe they decided tonight's the night to go. Was it because of the lightning? I don't know that, Tom. 
I only, I only, I mean, if I'm a goose, the, the only reason I don't I, like lightning. The only reason I ask is because at home, if we have any sort of thunderstorm that has lightning in it at night, you might as well not even get up the next morning and go hunt. Well, because we were, they just it yeah, so absolutely messes with those ducks more than anything. Big time for it's, us to have a thunderstorm and a lightning storm crazy. in the middle of October is very rare. Yeah, like, oh, it's I'm sure. almost unheard of. We I'm brought sure. the thunder with us. You always do that on a scale from one to two, Barkley. How happy are you that I'm here? Two. See that? It's pretty freaking. Normally, cool. it's one to ten, and then I have some leeway. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't like you me go, being here? You Would you rather me just say Tommy? I just said two. Tomorrow night, Tommy, we're making duck ravioli with Marion. Yep. We cleaned them all the night. Those two girls kill it. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah. that pumpkin butter on the pancakes this morning. I don't even eat a lot of starch or carbs, but when she said that, I had to try it, and it was – I almost went back for a second pancake. That yeah, was legit. I didn't. I controlled my behavior. It was but, God, did you eat some of that, Logan? I'm going to – who makes that pumpkin butter? We are blessed with our cooking staff, I tell you. Who makes the pumpkin butter? I'm going to bring some home. Duty free. It's from a little company called Lower Shannon Farms. It's a family-run farm. Is it a Mennonite farm? No, just a little self-startup farm where they sell homegrown vegetables, poultry, beef, and lamb, and anything you can think of. If you want it fresh, you go to Lower Shannon Farms and... That's where they got the pumpkin butter. Can you get me some before I leave? I'll ask Carla. I wonder if I could sneak some into the States. Oh, yeah. If it's in a sealed container, you can. I can? Sure. Why not? So, if you put marijuana in a Ziploc bag and seal it, you're good? Well, if you're going to a state. Is this going to be on the podcast? If you're going to a state that allows. Because it's legal everywhere now. Yeah, if you're going to a state that allows it, yeah. So, you can cross the border into a state that allows it? Yeah. I think so. Hmm. I know coming into Canada, there's no issues. It's the Foul Life Podcast. <laughs> Quick load outfitters. You've been messing that up all week. It's pretty easy. To- Quick load. Quick load. Quick load waterfowl. Quick load, Quick load outfitters. We're a quick load Quick today. with an L. Quick load. Yeah, you had to load quick today. We're signing off. We got a big day tomorrow. We got mallards and lessers in the morning in a fava bean field. Then we're making homemade raviolis with the great Marion and Jaden right here in the Quick Load kitchen. Saskatchewan, Canada. And then it's my birthday on Saturday, so I think I'm having a Canadian birthday present, which I hope there's no exchange rate when it comes to my gifts. I want to get 100% of my gifts, and I know that Barkley's got me something good coming. I know that Logan is going to go to Edmonton tomorrow and buy me something nice. I know that every single person in this remote area is going to let me unwrap a gift of a lifetime. I will report back at thefowllife.com on what those gifts are and how well they were received. I know for a fact that Blake owes me a lot of Jack Daniels because he has taken advantage of it this week. Right, Blake? That just shows you how good Jack Daniels is. (laughs) That's the best answer you could have had. Jack Daniels, enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. The original Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. I really do like the new Bonded. Thank you to Benelli, Federal, High Viz, Rob Roberts, Custom Gunworks, Mojo, Realtree Outdoors, Banded, Avery Outdoors, Greenhead Gear, Camo Space, my boy Denny Reed, Bad Boy Mowers, Kershaw Knives, Oakley Standard Issue, and Oakley Sunglasses. Thank you so much for all of the support. And please keep supporting the partners and sponsors that support us here at the Fat Life TV and the Fat Life Podcast. If it wasn't for them, 
supporting outdoor companies like us we wouldn't be able to exist so hopefully you're entertained hopefully you like what you're seeing watching hearing and go on to the foullife.com hit that sponsors link and go on and support those sponsors that truly take care of us on a daily basis i'm chad belding for logan and tommy and my man blake famey of the martinez gun club and barkley fisher of quick load waterfowl saskatchewan this has been another episode of the foul life podcast we're going to record another one tomorrow night with barkley and grant kuypers it's going to be a reunion if you will Tommy Miller is ready to do whatever it takes to get a puppy out of Chad's top-tier hunting dog, Duff. Tommy's went as far as saying that, I want to have Duff's baby. I don't um, know if I went as far to say that. I think he said that. He was, I want one of Duff's puppies. <laughs> oh, you yeah. want one of Duff's puppies. Yeah. Make sure to listen to every episode of The Foul Life on SoundCloud, iHeart, Spotify, thefowllife.com, or your preferred streaming platform. Chad Building, Blake Famey, Tommy Miller, and Barkley Fisher from Quick Load Waterfowl Outfitters will be right back we've had the provider mentality for a long time growing up and watching dad and mom cook wild game whether it was an italian lasagna or a spaghetti i watched in awe and i couldn't wait to be old enough to do it then we got to travel and meet all of these different chefs at all these different lodges in argentina and uruguay or paraguay or arkansas or missouri or chef mark Lindsay, who you hear on the podcast this life ain't for everybody a lot up in minnesota at trapper's landing part of the reeds family of brands and i started to learn so many different unorthodox out-of-the-box ways of preparing mr billy bogey smothered deer steak at prairie wings duck club in arkansas or the duck empanadas at duck guides of argentina and they all became part of the provider cookbook the provider mentality at the providerlife.com our rubs our original 10 in the ultimate pack including the swine and the flaky the spawn the drop time the foul the crosshairs the brit the dragon the sonora then we introduced the brand beef rub and the mother cluck and chicken rub and you can find recipes at the providerlife.com check out the provider tv on the my outdoor tv app mo tv part of the outdoor sportsman's group and the outdoor channel family of brands we got more coming we got so much more coming good luck out in the field good luck out on the rivers i hope you get those wild turkey nuggets and that pickle juice right away and get ready to throw down with some different rubs on them the provider lifestyle we're so honored to live it thank you lord for letting us be outdoorsmen hunter gatherers conservationists and providers again the providerlife.com thank you for visiting looking for a high quality truck accessory that's built to last look no further than lear with over 50 years of experience in the industry these guys know what it takes to make your ride look and performance best whether you're looking for a fiberglass or aluminum cap a harder soft cover or accessories to customize your truck lear's got you covered their products are made with only the best materials, and their innovative features provide added convenience and security for truck owners. Head over to Lear.com to explore their range of products and take your driving experience to the next level. We have some unbelievable dogs. Axel, Slash, Duff, Izzy. Yeah, they're all named after the original lineup of Guns N' Roses, the greatest rock band of all time. And we feed them Yukonuba premium performance this diet is amazing you want to talk about a happy dog you look at a bunch of duck hunters in arkansas after the morning hunt and they go into mr billy bogey's breakfast at prairie wings that's what these dogs look like their tongues are hanging out i mean they're panting they're like mr billy bogey i gotta have some of that fried bologna and those fried eggs i gotta have some of those grits and sausage and bacon he doesn't cut corners and neither does you canoe but our dogs are so happy they're so healthy they're so energetic they're powerful they're machine-like it's amazing to see how these dogs perform when 
when they're being fed right. And the science and dedication behind the Yukonuba diet is second to none. This is not just a passion project. This is something that we needed in this space. Our dogs deserved better and Yukonuba delivered for the duck dog, sporting dog, upland dog, pointer. It doesn't matter what kind of dog you own. Your dog is going to perform better and your dog is going to be happier eating a Yukonuba diet. The official dog food of the Fowl Life Podcast and the Fowl Life TV. It's Yukonuba. Get you some today. Make sure that you transition it correctly, but I promise you, you're going to see different results. Their personality, their performance, it's unbelievable. Thank you all for supporting Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food. This leg of the Foul Life's Canadian adventure comes to a close. We're signing off. We got a big day tomorrow. We got Mallards and Lesters in the morning in a fava bean field. Listen in as Chad Belding and the Foul Life crew finishes their Canada waterfowl run by listening to every episode of the Foul Life on thefowllife.com, SoundCloud, iHeart, and Spotify. Rock out with your bands out and hunt hard.